Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode where I discuss the horrors of the world as told through film. This is a TV show. Some movies are pure fiction, enabling us to leave the world of evil behind us, but others, like the ones discussed in this podcast, are based on actual events. Welcome to the True Crime and Horror. I am your host, Lorraine Purden, who is joined by Kevin from The Jury Room, and this is Once Upon a Nightmare. In the 1970s, at FBI headquarters in Quantico, Virginia, two FBI agents, John Douglas and Robert Ressler, would create the Behavioral Science Unit. Their work would mean interviewing multiple serial killers to develop a profile to help catch or prevent future killers. In 2017, David Fincher would tell their story. This is Mindhunter. I mean, imagine what it takes to bludgeon someone to death. The lust for control, the feeling of arousal, the decision to humiliate her corpse. How could you possibly get that from an ordinary police report? I can choke down the bile, manufacture empathy, when our subjects are at least informative. We decided no one was beneath our contempt. I'm trying to warn you, your attitude is going to bite you in the ass. You're developing a pattern of behavior that will not sustain you here. So young to be ruining people's lives. We need to know exactly how worried we need to be. This awful, raging, eating feeling is inside It is not our job to commiserate with these people. It is our job to electrocute them. We can't like everything we do. We're talking to serial killers. If any of this is going to work, we need to talk to more subjects. More! You want truffles? You gotta get in the dirt with the pigs. No, we don't. We are the FBI. How do we get ahead of crazy if we don't know how crazy thinks? So as mentioned, I'm here with Kevin from the Jury Room podcast, a true crime podcast. Um, and how are you today or the tonight? Hi. <laughs> or this morning or whatever or this time morning. it is. No, I'm good. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, definitely a favorite of mine. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, how's your Mother's Day going? It's going very well. I'm doing what I want today. So uh, so that's nice talking about <laughs> this with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm honored that you want to spend your Mother's Day some of your time with me. You can be my uh, kid for the day. <laughs> um no but thanks for having me the jury room podcast is like you said a true crime podcast it's a solo narrative based podcast i do an episode where i talk about the true crime and then i bring a guest on for the second episode and we kind of just discuss the episode and the case and and go from there so um but yeah so that's that's a little bit about my show and right now I'm working on a series I'm super excited about. It's, it's on addiction and, and breaking the stigma around addicts. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit of the drug history and where I bring also bring on people and I interview them about their story and their sobriety mm. and their recovery and, you know, how they did it and, and what kind of resources they were able to use. So I'm really excited about that. But yeah, that's a little bit about me and a little bit about my show. So with, with the addict stuff, I'm just curious, do you get people, because obviously when people think of addicts, they go straight to alcohol and drugs. Right. They're the two things that people tend to think of. Have you had anyone on that is a food addict or a sex addict or a gaming addict or like just certain things? Because like we tend to accept those two things as being an addict. But when you say someone's addicted to say food, they're like, no, they just eat too much. Do you know what I mean? So, so. Yeah. So actually I had somebody on, I've interviewed somebody so far who was an alcoholic and a food addict. And okay. so she was, she, she still struggles with food. She is mm. sober from alcohol, uh, but she still struggles with food. Yeah. And so it is one thing that, 
that is those are topics that I'm going to touch based mm. on as far as food, sex, sugar, um, cigarettes, Sugar's you know, you know, things that mm. people don't necessarily think that you can be addicted to, but, mm. and it's a, like an everyday thing that you don't even realize that you might be dependent on. I know for myself, I'm, I am a huge coffee fiend and I can't help myself. And so it's something that I'm going to touch on because even I struggle with that kind of, you know, I have to have it. And if I don't drink it, I get the worst caffeine headaches in the world. And so it's one of those things that you don't realize it, that even something just as simple as coffee can, it, it stimulates your brain and it changes mm. the chemistry in your brain that you don't realize you can become dependent upon it, even though it's acceptable right just like alcohol is acceptable yeah. and it's socially acceptable it's still something that destroys lives well actually yeah i could give you some sugar material so <laughs> yeah, if i need some sugar material i actually said to you before that i don't think i have an, an issue with addiction at all but there is one thing that i feel like i have a problem with that i have to be very and it's <laughs> drinks not alcohol drinks but drinks like coke like uh, iced coffee yeah stuff like that right. that's my downfall so, yeah. Right. And, and I, I used to be um, very dependent upon sodas when I was mm. younger. I, I quit drinking soda years ago. And it's funny, I quit drinking soda. And probably within a couple of years, I started drinking coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Replace so, it with another thing. Right. And so but it was like, oh, well, it's, it's not as bad for you. Coffee's natural, mm. blah, 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 blah. But it's like, I, I hate black coffee. So it's not like I'm just like black coffee yeah. isn't as bad for you, but I need sugar in it. Yeah. And I need cream. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. Stuff. Right. So, yeah. but, but yeah, it's, it's something that I plan on touching base on, not yeah. just substances like drugs yeah. and alcohol, but, you know, everyday things like sex addicts, like, yeah. you know, you know, stuff like that. I've been approached about self-harm oh, yeah. and stuff like that to where, it's stuff you don't realize, but it's, you can literally become addicted to everything when you use it to cope with whatever problems yeah. you have. You know what yeah. I mean? Very good. I'll definitely keep, uh, and when's that, when are you planning on bringing that one out? So I'm hoping to start releasing episodes May 1st. Um, I've got a couple of the episodes already done and yeah. I've gotten a bunch of the interviews edited already. So I'm super excited that I'm, it's finally starting. The pieces are finally starting to come together on it. Uh, I'm hoping to release. So what I'm thinking as far as like a schedule goes is I'll release three episodes a week. So I'll release yeah. a episode like a drug history episode, a true crime episode and an interview. So that way it can, my everybody goodness. gets, yeah. So I'm, my schedule is pretty full right now, trying to make sure I get everything done in time, but I'm super excited about it. I hope it, it, um, and I hope it helps somebody, even if yeah. it just helps one person, it's, it's going to make it all worth it. Definitely. But your other podcast, which is more relatable to what we're talking about today is true crime. And I started chatting to Kevin a couple of months ago and soon realized that he would talk about true crime with me. So I've been annoying him ever since. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? You say annoy, I say becoming best friends yeah. because it's hard to find people and this is going to sound bad, right? But it's hard to find people who are excited about serial killers and true crime as you are, right? Because even though there's a huge genre of people and there's mm. a ton of true crime content out there, 
like there's like your day-to-day people that you interact with they generally don't like it you know they're they they tend to shy away from that kind of stuff and it 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 excites me I I love true crime and I love talking about it it for me it's just such a fascinating and it has been since I mean I I started getting into horror movies and true crime in the 80s and it's just it just absolutely fascinates me and I like I like watching I know it sounds really weird but like on a Sunday morning if I my, my husband lets me have a lie in I'm like relaxing in bed to true crime and I find it you know it just I just find it so interesting and I'm always trying to figure it out I never will because I, I don't think I I just don't think you can really truly get in the minds of these people as much as our as the FBI agents do try but it's just I don't know it's just and when you find someone like you said who wants to talk about it with you you do get excited, but it's just because you get into to, to, to chat, like, you know, but right. it's what I'm into. And it's weird as well, because some of them, which, you know, some of the killers will talk in here, some of the killers um, within. So I suppose I should talk about what we're actually doing. So we're doing Mindhunter, which I mentioned in the intro. And it's a show that was set in the late 70s with two. They're two fictional FBI uh, agents based on real FBI, FBI agents. So we've got. Holden Ford, who is played by Jonathan Groff, and Bill Tench, who's played by Holt McCallany. And they start interviewing these serial killers, you know, really well-known ones, um, and some not so well-known, because a couple of them I didn't know that were in it. So Edmund Kemper, Charles Manson, Richard Speck, these are ones that people do tend to know. Jerry Brudos. Jerry Brudos. Um, and they are based on these two FBI agents, John Douglas and Robert Ressler. So they would go into a prison setting and interview these people to try and figure out how they think why they do what they do and this might help them you know prevent or capture serial killers before they can do any more damage um and it's just a really interesting because there's a book based on it by john douglas and mark olshaker um and it's just for me it's just really interesting watching it watching them coming up with this profile and technique and even the scene where they coin the term serial killers I thought that right. was quite interesting. Like, cause how did, yeah. Cause you, they were, what was it? They come up with a couple of other names. Cause I think it was in season two and they just didn't. And then someone went serial killer. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> like coming up with like, names oh, for a podcast. Wait a second. That, that sounds great. Like yeah. yeah the, the whole profiling technique that they did come up with, I think is brilliant because mm. the reality is that we are human humans and just like animals, animals have patterns. Right. And just mm. like in humans are just another species in, you know, the grand scheme of things. And we all have patterns, whether it's positive or negative. And so it definitely is eye opening to think that you're able to predict a pattern. And most of the yeah. time their profiles are pretty spot on. Yeah. yeah they have a generalization, but mm it's you they usually fit in that spectrum pretty damn close to what they think that profile is you know as as you did you profiled me, me before you even saw me right and you yeah. were guessing you and I were talking about yeah. it beforehand you were a little off but you also got a couple of things right so yeah. it's you know it's that it's that being able to you know profile somebody based on the information that you're given I think is very very fascinating yeah, and I think as well, it it came in a time where, because if, you know, you watch the show, you'll see that some people aren't, they're not very open to the idea that you can actually do this. And plus, when other people come in on someone else's territory, you know, police don't like their toes being stepped on. You, you, you often hear stories, I think, especially back in the 70s in California, where precincts wouldn't speak to each other. And there was a few killers on the go at the same time. And, 
you know, this kind of thing. Um, so it was like all so new and I loved how they kind of like got everyone's back up, including each other. Because when you look at Ford and Tetch together, they're very different people. I wonder how much of that was actually like real because while Holden Ford, he's brilliant at what he does. He must have been the most irritating person to work with if that was oh, what John 100%. Douglas was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're night and day difference, oh. right? Like, mm. like Bill Tench's character is very much that all American, mm. you know, uh, you know, all American perception at the time. You know, yeah. they, he went to war at some point. It, you know, his father, you know, never hugged him. He was a quote unquote man's man, basically. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you had. Holden Ford, who was this just young, arrogant, you know, wanted to take the world by storm and he he didn't care how he got there. You know what I mean? And and where Bill was more fall in line kind of person, Holden was more, let's just do it. And so I think, but the the dynamic worked. But mm. yeah, I kind of wonder too if if uh if they the two real people that it was based on were like this because yeah i i couldn't stand working with uh with holden for sure no i wouldn't have lasted five minutes and i thought um because like jonathan groff you people may know him from glee um and he was in um he's christoph in frozen and you know so and if you ever watch jonathan groff especially with bill tension interviews they look like the most adorable couple that has just met and they're still giddy about each other. And like, because even, even like the way I was watching one the other day and Jonathan Groff was chatting and the two of them are always giggling. And it's so weird to see that dynamic with them because then you see this and it just shows what great actors they are. Because if you saw those two men and you're like, they're going to play these characters, you're like, no, that's just not going to work. And then like Jonathan Groff was talking in an interview and Bill uh, Holt was, was just like staring at him in such like a, I fucking love you, man. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? But it was just, absolutely gorgeous i love watching the two of them and then it comes to this because when i saw jonathan groff was playing this i was like really like he just wasn't the and i he was i couldn't imagine anyone else playing this because i just thought he was exceptional right you know and I, it had been a while since i watched it and so i rewatched it obviously so i could join you to, for the show and i forgot how intense the characters get into the show and the way that the way that he plays holden like it it's seriously it's so good from beginning to end i really don't have a negative thing to say about the show and so it's it's just amazing to watch them develop the characters and then get into talking to the serial killers and what they do to go into mm. the prisons and and it, it's just it's a really really good show for anybody who hasn't watched it that's the and that's a, another thing i wanted to touch on too was that the whole dynamic they nailed it so mm. well the you know, the like, even with Bill Tench's character and his wife, you know, his wife was mm. supposed to fall in line and she, yeah. you know, she was kind of pushing against them with the, with their son. And then, you know, Holden had this expectation of his girlfriend and his mm. girlfriend was pushing against that and yeah. she didn't like it. And it was the whole dynamic of the show. They, they really nailed the time, the time frame. And then you had Wendy who was a lesbian, but she wasn't out. So it was yeah. awkward when, when everybody would ask her about her husband and she, she's like, well, I'm not married. And they're like, what the fuck? And she's got a, you know, she's got a partner. And she's got a career. That, and a career, yeah, right? Career and a partner that, yeah. in, in Boston. And so it's, it was definitely, they definitely nailed that dynamic of the time in the show. 
yeah no I thought all all three of them because like I found with um Wendy I it was it was a tough one because you could understand I think you could understand her getting frustrated and I think the interview where she goes with um oh, what was the other guy's name the other agent I can't remember his name now oh uh the guy that told on everybody yeah Oh, I don't remember what his yeah. name is, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. So when they went to interview um, Henley, Wayne Wayne Henley, what's not his name? Um, who was Greg the, Smith? You're talking about it, Greg Smith, right? I thought didn't they go and interview um, the guy who killed with Dean Coral? Carl Coral. I can never say his name right. What was his name? Uh, Elmer Wayne Henley. Because do you remember he he wouldn't talk to them, and then she starts going on about I had a because because he obviously was younger than Dean Coral, and mm. she then tried to relate to him by saying, "Yeah, when I was in um, uni, I started seeing my professor, and she was this, and she was that, and the oh, guy that was yeah. with her. Do you remember? And the guy goes, "God, well done for coming up with that story. How <laughs> do you like- do that?" She's like, it's not a story. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. But she right. she would not have been taken seriously if she had come out of being gay. But her character was, uh, I didn't like her a lot of the time because, but then I kind of felt like I could understand why she did it. So she, sometimes with her, I felt like she just wanted to be right. But then right. you kind of knew in a time where, like she wanted it done her way. You ask these questions, you do that. And I think that interview with Elmer made her realize that you can't necessarily sit down and go in with a list of questions to these people and expect them just to answer them because that's what you want. And that's why she kind of on the fly in, that was in season two, when about that, told that story. Right. But, she, she, but when she was ch- chatting to like Holden, she's like, stick to the script basically. And it was like, she, I found her quite irritating because I was like, you don't understand what they're actually going through and doing when they're actually in the prison. So you need to back off. And I think right. to be, in her defense, then I suppose she did a bit, but I don't know. There was just some, I couldn't have worked with her either. I think the only <laughs> one I could have worked with was Holt. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's the, that, that goes back to the, she's just sitting she's not on the front lines right she's no. sitting behind the desk saying telling somebody how to do it yeah. without actually doing it and then once she gets in that situation she realized oh uh, i can't do this you know what i mean i need to i need Wait. to try to relate to them greg his name was greg sorry i had to find out his name but i suppose when you think about it that's the way in like especially in because I, I i know people that work in like the care industry and all this kind of stuff and you have a bunch of like management that is sitting in some office somewhere getting a shit ton of money and they're telling you how to do something with a with a person that you've never right. even met. And as we realize, as you know, probably you see from doing your addicted show is even you could talk to 15 people that are all alcoholics and they will all be different. Like not one that one thing that worked for the other will not work for somebody else. And I think they right. think that every this she's obviously gone in with this attitude. Um, just ask them the same questions, but they're all very different. Right. You know, and that, you know, all, all or nothing mentality, it just doesn't work. We need to realize that people are unique and they have different needs, even if they've got exactly the same crime, exactly. They did everything the same. It doesn't mean right. shit. It's, like It doesn't mean the same. Right. No. What was your, what were your thoughts on the performance of the, the, the killers? Right. Obviously okay. not. So go ahead. Yeah. So I think the first one, Kemper, 
I've watched a lot of footage. Oh, Jesus Christ. I've watched so much footage on Kemper because he, I think that was your first episode, wasn't it? Correct. Kemper, yeah. So Edmund Kemper, the co-ed killer, he, he's someone that fascinates me because when I watch him and the way he talks and the way he carries on and the way he used to go drinking with them in the jury room, which is what your podcast is after. Um, and the way he spoke to people and even the way you see him interact with Holden, like they're chatting like buddies, like, you know, like we are now. And he'd just come across as like this nice fella. And then you're right. like, but you cut that woman's head off and had sex with it. Well, Ed Kemper is very self-aware. He knows yeah. who and what yeah. he is. He does it well. And he is, he's extremely manipulative. He definitely puts on the facade, but I truly believe that when he killed his mother, I think that killed his urge to kill. Yeah. Now, maybe if he got out, that'd be a different story. And we could be, I could be wrong. I'm not a professional I and I've never met I don't think you him. are. I don't think you are because he even said himself, like it was done. And he, Kemper handed himself in. Like right. he didn't get caught. He was, like you said, he was a really smart guy, very high IQ. And he was, you know, this guy's like six, seven or six, nine, like Gigantic. 300 pounds. Like they said when, right. when he called in, he put his the hands above your head and his hands were on top of the phone box. Like, right. do you know what I mean? The telephone booth. And um, so like this guy, he may have got caught eventually, but I think he could have done a lot more. Now I know he killed her friend after the mother, but that was more, I think, because, oh shit, what do I do? rather right. than like because he necessarily wanted to i don't feel like that one was the same as the others um, right. and because you also know with them sometimes when you see them talking despite what they've done they don't want to say some of the stuff because right. you know it makes like if you ever look at um, an interview with arthur shawcross he was like the kids i'm not talking about the kids that is out of bounds because i think deep down they know Cross the line with that one. I mean, they cross right. the line with all of them, but to them, they it's like <laughs> right. they even have standards. They they even have like a moral code or compass yeah. or some shit. Forget right? what I did to all those women before my mum, <laughs> but you know what I did to the friend that I pushed it right. a bit. Then oh, and you're like, that, eh, yeah, let's not talk about that. Exactly, exactly. So it's like this yeah. really strange thing where they want to save face, and I think when you watch Edmund, like he's definitely wants to be the guy because the way he's like, you want a sandwich. I can get you what you want. And he's like giving him a cup of tea. And he's like, you know, I think they ordered pizza at one point, didn't yeah, they? they and, pizza, yeah. And he just wants to talk. He just wants right. to be be the dude. And that, it comes across, I mean, Cameron Britton, who played him, like, I, I couldn't get over. fantastic. Oh, like, exceptional. It, yeah, you watch, if you watch like uh, YouTube videos on, of Edmund Kemper mm. giving his interviews, and you go and watch Mindhunter, I mean, they are like, mm. you, you can't tell them apart. No. Like it's, it's, it's damn near identical to the real, you know, the real person and the performance that he gave. And, and that was, that was so riveting to me too. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like that's amazing. And, and same with um, Happy Anderson who played mm. Jerry Brudos. He did a really <laughs> good job as well. And that character, I mean, that character is disgusting to begin with, but um yeah, yeah he did a really good job playing playing jerry brudos as well yeah the brood see that was a thing when i was watching kemper i was like the only vibe you cut you're like he's a bit weird isn't he he's a bit weird like the way he goes on but when you watch right. brudos you're like he creeps the hell out of you and you're like like when i was watching him with 
Kemper, I was like, you guys are okay in that room. Kemper, he's just there to chat. To you. Like, I didn't ever feel like they weren't safe. Whereas with some of them, like Brudos and stuff, I was like, you couldn't have brought Wendy in there Mm-mm. with Brudos there. Do you know what I mean? That would have just been right. a big no-go. Um, but I felt like you could have almost brought Wendy in to Kemper. You know, right. I think he would have been a bit more polite about it. Because remember, he said when he killed a girl, he he touched her boob by mistake and he was horrified. <gasps> I'm like, oh you've just God. cut her. You're going to cut her head off and have sex with it. But oh, <laughs> best not touch the boob. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, how do you, how? Like, right. that's what I mean about how they, you know. But with Brudos, yeah, I think, um, what do you think about him as a, what do you think about him as a person? <laughs> <laughs> God, he was disgusting. He was, he no. was, oh my God. He was, I haven't covered him yet. He is on my list to eventually yeah. get to, but he's disgusting. He took advantage. He was very much an opportunistic serial killer. He mm. took advantage of the situation. Yeah. And I truly think that, this is going to sound wrong, but I truly think that if sexuality was more explored and accepted at the time, Mm. that maybe some of his self-hatred and loathing wouldn't have mm. been so brutal. Oh, yeah, because 68 um, it began. So, yeah, he wouldn't have got away with... Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he, mm. if if we had more, more of an accepting nature, like, back then, I hate to use this phrase, but, you know, during that time, homosexuality was shunned. Um, cross-dressing was shunned. You know, all these things that mm. didn't make a man a man, right? Yeah. And so if I feel like he probably just had a lot of trauma from that because he Mm. probably hated himself so much, but at the same time, he was just a narcissistic piece of shit who liked to kill people. And so that's what he did. But I think a lot of it, you know, some of it came from his self-hatred of because he enjoyed, you know, women's shoes. And that's another thing like, oh, that's so taboo feet and all this, but it's like now it's, you know, that, that, that kind of sexuality stuff is starting to, you know, become more accepted. But the reality is back then, if you were even just a little off, I mean, it, it was huge for them. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Cause I suppose, yeah. Cause obviously like you said, the sixties and a man um, in women's clothing or women's shoes or whatever, you know, would have been a huge no, no. And like equally like Wendy, she was a woman right. and was a lesbian and that was a big, no no um but yeah I I actually yeah I agree with that if people were just allowed because I think didn't he take shoes from a teacher or something and his mom I think you you notice with some serial killers that the mother has a lot to do with how they are and I think I think I read I think I did but I may have this wrong that John Douglas said had Kemper not been treated the way he was by his mother he may not have done it I mean you can never truly know Right. But like you, you hear about some of these kids, like um, Gary Ridgway was another one, like whose mothers would do things that you shouldn't do to a child. Right. And especially, you know, like with Ridgway, it was washing. If he went to bed, she, he was like 14 and she'd wash him, which you shouldn't do to a 14 year old boy. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, you can never truly know, but I think, you know. Well, it's a nature versus nurture co- question, yeah. right? Yeah, and so I, it's I, like, there must be, I think there must be something in you to, to, because obviously I know we say, well, there's lots of people that are mistreated and they don't do stuff like that, which is very true. But 
but maybe these people just have something in them that you know I think there is there's some validity to people some people are just born that way like they oh, yeah. are just born being a, a sociopath and they don't have empathy they don't know how mm. to have empathy but I truly think and and this is just my opinion again not an expert I truly think Edmund Kemper was groomed that way i he's think a product he, of his environment yeah, yeah. he's a product of his environment his mother hated men mm. and that's just the way that it was and she was very very brutal to him as a child mm. i mean would call him queer and 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 you know a sissy if he you know played with a doll or you know he locked him in a basement i mean she just hated men and she mm. made sure he knew it mm. and so being that when you're a little kid and, and, and a little boy, you're, it's almost like you, you want your mom's approval. You know what I mean? Like you, you want your parents approval, yeah. but you know, you, your mom is like your, your everything when you're a little boy and when you don't get that approval, it definitely is, it, it can be very traumatic. And with her being abusive, I think it, it drove him to that point. And that's why I think when he killed his mom, I think that's when it just kind of died out inside for him. Like, okay, this is it. Like what, what all, everything I was harboring and I was holding on to is gone. Now I had a lot of empathy for him up to the point that he started killing. But once he started killing, that was it. That empathy mm. is gone, but I definitely empathized for him just going through that abuse as a little kid with, from his mom. Yeah. Because with him, it's like, like he killed his grandparents i think he was like 15 and he killed right. his the the grandmother who was a bit of a you know she was the same kind of person as his mother and then like he killed his grandfather who he liked and loved because he didn't want him to be upset that his wife right. was dead which shows that that's a caring side a mercy kill almost even though you know it's, it's right you're still killing it. somebody it doesn't exactly. matter if it's mercy exactly or not, right? but in his head it was and i wonder if he had killed his mother the only per if he killed his mother at the start you know all the other stuff might have you know would it never i, I mean this is all like if if it if because you just don't know do you and i do agree no. with you that some people are just like evil as hell so when when you're looking at kemper or someone like i said we can kind of go it's it's hard to sometimes put put the person with the crime but then mm -hmm. like another character who's in here i mentioned was richard richard speck and he murdered um, eight nurses. He raped some of the, raped one of them. Apparently, it was at the start they thought it was more, but it was one. And you know, he terrorized these these women um, in their own home. And one managed to get away because he was like, "Oh, I didn't. I'm not very good at maths or something ridiculous." Like that. <laughs> but he came in and straight away he was disgusting. But I think this is um, this is a really good scene of when. Because I don't know if you've listened to any John Douglas interviews and stuff like that, but he has a certain technique where he goes in with an agenda as in, I will do whatever it takes to get the information I need. Whereas if me or you were sitting across from someone who'd raped and murdered children, we would find it probably hard to talk to them without being, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, like what you see, Bill is a bit more. So when he reached, meets Spec, who comes in with this little bird, and Spec's all, all like, fuck you, fuck this, you, he's screaming, he's shouting and all that kind of stuff. And then he goes, then when, um, I'm going to use the C word now, bear yourself, but he goes, 
who do you think you are to take those nice um, eight ripe cunts from us or something like that? And your mat, like Specs, like what? And he's like, you're you're even sicker than I am. But I I just thought that scene that kind of summed up what it was they did and like the disgusting people that they have to deal with. I think Spec for me was the one that made me go, these people are fucking vile. Even if they do come across as nice, sometimes they are right. just vile, disgusting human beings. And he just, you know. And he throws the bird. Oh, I do. That was when he threw that bird. I was like, oh, I forgot about it. And then when I resaw uh, that scene, when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot that like, he just he because he felt challenged. He felt like, yeah, his his masculinity was, you know, in question. Yeah. And he was like, I'll show you and, you know, throws it. I'm like, damn, like, that's brutal. And then they like he goes, you want to know why I did it? And then something like that goes, I guess it just wasn't their fucking night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then when he when he's interviewing um, Gene Devier, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, uh, Daryl Gene. Yeah, Devier, Devier. Yeah. Whatever. See, he was one I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of him. Yeah, I hadn't heard of him either. But the way that they extracted the information, the way yeah, they again. set up the scene for it, mm. it was brilliant to just put put those pieces around the room. Mm. And then for him not to record the part where he's talking about how beautiful this 14-year-old girl is and and how her little skirt was so short, but then starts recording when he starts confessing, you know, because mm. of all the different pieces around the room, it was just... It was amazing. And and that's the that's the beauty of it. They just set it up to put these people exactly where they needed to be for them to be able to confess to their crimes. Yeah, because he was like at night, he would do it with some people because it made him feel more relaxed. And, you know, he'd have them sat. Yeah, sat in a certain way. And then when he was talking about. See, that that just showed me like how like pathetic this guy was, is the fact that we all knew he did it. I mean, he he was terrible at lying and all this kind of stuff. But when it was like, when he starts going on, like you said about the, oh, these girls, sometimes they look older than they are and, you know, started talking the way he was talking. I mean, I was like cringing, like probably, well, hopefully everybody watching it. And then, but the guy was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And I thought, really, that's all it takes is for him to like, go look at her. She's a hot piece of ass. And you're like, yeah, I, I had that. Because he had to brag. He had to he right. had to say, yeah, and I got a piece of that. And I thought you for that small moment where you got to basically brag about getting some young girl, and now you've literally ruined your whole life because you just had to say it. I thought, you fucking idiot. Like, you know? Right. 100%. But it's one of those things, too, though. And not all serial killer, killers want it, but a lot of them want that to be Mm. able to brag about it you know they want to be able to oh look what i did you know and 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 they that that was another one he just wanted that notoriety yeah because some of them like i was i just listened to a podcast i listened to last podcast on the left um a lot and they just did an episode on randy craft now this guy oh god he he killed men he was uh uh a guy in America. He was one of the freeway killers because there was a few at one point, wasn't there? But he, to this day, is still like, want me? <laughs> Didn't do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And that's the right. thing. Is like, of all this evidence, and some of them are just like, no, don't know what you're on about. 
but then you get others who are just like they just want to talk and want to talk and want to talk and they're, I, I suppose they're... heard of that guy no i'd heard of him but I, I didn't really know much about him because you've got randy craft um william bonin is another one um, i just covered someone not too long ago that was killing people in men actually in in and I don't know why I can't think of it. Let's see. I'm pulling up my... Is it William Bonin? Uh, Patrick Wayne Kearney. The trash oh, I did him killer. in. Yeah, I did an episode on him, yeah. yeah he was another one that was yeah. that was killing men. Yeah, he... Um, yeah, he's another one. There was a few of them, you see. So it was kind of like... Um, uh, yeah, there was a few of them, and they I think they were crossing over. Because I think especially like the 70s, that was a big time for... Where you had a lot of different people that were killing at the same time around the same area and the bodies were definitely piling up. Yeah, and it was hard to know. But unfortunately, because like sometimes, especially with Randy Kraft, I think because he was killing, he was he was gay and he was killing gay men. And Mm -hmm. as they put it in last podcast on the left, they're like, sometimes, you know, the police don't want to deal with it because it's too icky because they're gay men and, you know, they don't want to. You know, because we have this weird thing where if you're a sex worker, if you're gay, if you're as with as we saw with season two and the Atlanta child killers, if you're black, it's like it's it's just so bizarre, isn't it? Because in the second one, like I think it was like 13 kids or something had died. And then lot. they're like, hmm, maybe we've got a bit of a fucking problem here. And even when they caught the guy that did that Wayne Williams guy, they he got done, but only mm-hmm. for two murders, I think of two white grown men that weren't even children so to this day apparently he's never Still been himself. convicted of all those children even though they right. know he did it and you're right. just like but that's solely because they, i i 100 believe it's because they were black kids well you just like in in like in the uk in that area you have the ripper from the 70s mm-hmm. right who there was yeah. how many uh how many women died workers, yeah. before they were like oh yeah we have a serial killer right mm. And then it's so it, it's fucked up that 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 whole perception of why there are groups of people that are less than other people. Mm. I, I, yeah. I never understand that. That's something that since I've gotten into true crime and cover a lot of these cases that you do see that yeah. homosexuals, especially during 60s, 70s and 80s, if you were homosexual and you were being killed, they didn't oh, forget about shit. it. Yeah. Sex workers don't give a shit. Even huh. to this day, even if sex no. workers are, are getting killed, they don't give a fuck. Uh, drug addicts, um, alcoholics, minorities, indigenous mm. women, oh, women yeah. in general, unless you're blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, beautiful, you know, this picture perfect girl mm. next door, you know, picturesque physique or whatever the fuck you want to call it, then they they don't give a shit. They literally don't care. That's something that over the... Um, over the course of the last couple of years that I've realized, like, I know this is controversial, but it really upset me that Gabby Petito got as much coverage as she did. Now I'm going to asterisk that and say, (laughs) I'm really happy that her family got justice, her fam, Mm -hmm. not justice, but her family got answers. Yeah. They were able to find her body. They were able to find Brian. Cool. I'm really happy for her family, but I think Mm -hmm. it's fucking ridiculous because she was this girl next door picture that they blasted it. And there was a lot of true crime people who covered it. There was a lot of media coverage who covered mm-hmm. it. Oh, it but everywhere. what about everybody else? 
What about all the other no, people that go missing every day? What about all the other women who go missing every day? Like there's so many different ways to use your platform. Why just this one person? Why not everybody else? I, I Yeah, it is something. We, we had a case here back in 2010. I was working in the media at that time. And um, her name was Joanna Yates. Joanne Yates. And yep, she, young woman, successful, pretty, you know, white and all this kind of stuff. And the coverage was because I was working with me at that time and that's all papers were for weeks and weeks and weeks because it was around Christmas and all this kind of stuff. And the guy that did it was, um, I think he's from Denmark, Vincent Tobacco, his name was. And the coverage was insane. And yeah, but I, I want, I, and I don't think she didn't, I think she deserved that coverage. Of course she did. You know what I mean? She, she did. Right. And I'm glad that they got it sorted and all this kind of stuff for her. Um, but yeah, there, in those times, there would have been somebody else as well. But if you don't fit, like I know for a fact, right, that if my kid were, you know, we, we do all right for ourselves. She's a little pretty white girl and all this kind of stuff. She, she'd get so much attention. But right. the, equally, her one of her schoolmates who isn't that wouldn't. And right. that that's great for me and that's great for your family but it's yeah, not fair for it's their not family. yeah and i just i just don't i just don't understand it because you just like and i think you know people sometimes they kill sex workers because they're rid in the world of all these bad people like you know what i mean no you're the bad person you're the one doing the killing um sorry but sex work like sex workers and it, yes it's still sex but or i mean it's still work but the thing about it is most people like if it was legalized, like it wouldn't be as taboo. Like, I don't, I still don't understand it. Why in this day and age, it's still illegal. And it's funny because you see in these like satire cartoon, uh, I was just saw a clip about it the other day where they're like, these cops bust in and he's paying some, you know, the, the, the guy is paying a, a woman and he's like, Oh, don't worry. It's not prostitution. It's porn. And it's like, duh, like that, you know what I mean? Like, it it does it, it i don't understand how we have these lines and they're not like you know what i mean it just doesn't i don't know man it throws me way off and it, it's even it's even untalked about like i'm not saying i like i don't know what your experience is as a woman in the uk and and i i hope it's not the same as it is here but i've learned over the course of two years now that women struggle, like just going to the grocery store because they get creeps that are fucking constantly. Guys tried to get me and go into their car. Come over here. Come into my car. Right. Okay. Right. And then you're like, you, you, you try to be nice because you don't Mm -hmm. want to make them mad. Right. And then they, you know, potentially assault you or, you know, hit you like that's So I, I don't know. It just, it's fucking mind boggling that we have come to accept that as okay. You know what I mean? And then it's usually like, oh, teacher, oh, the girl shouldn't have been wearing that or the girl shouldn't have done that. Well, what the fuck? The girl was just minding her own fucking business. Why does she have to do anything different? Yeah. Why, they, why don't you teach the guys to do something to not be assholes? Well, like even like, like school kids, like as young as Riley, I mean, we haven't had it in our school, but they would say to the parents, like, can you make sure, you, like, if in the summer, Riley's got a school skirt on. So I put, like, bicycle shorts on, um, you know, under her skirt. But some people are told like that because it's not fair on the boys. I'm like, what's well, not fucking fair on the boys? Do you know what I mean? T- teach, teach them. I mean, I've been groped out, I mean, quite aggressively. And it's just fucking weird, like, you know. And 
if you want to have a, I don't mind people having if people want to have a look and they're like oh and they're to themselves they're like oh she's pretty or he's he's good looking fine there's nothing wrong with that but it's just like some people just like I've had guys call me a bitch because I didn't want you know to right you know I'd have my wedding ring on and I'd be like oh I'm married oh you fucking bitch this type of thing or and stuff like that and now this new thing is they're injecting people with drugs like when when they're out it's just it, it is for girls it is an absolute shit storm and I like I'm trying to get Riley interested in self-defense from a very early age so that she can you know look Defend after herself, herself. But, absolutely but yeah like I when I walk home like when I walk whether it's day or night I've constantly got my I'm always looking around if I someone's walking right. up behind me whether it's a man a woman or a, a teenager I cross the road right do you know what i mean and if i go for a walk in the evening i won't put my headphones on or if it's certain light i'll put one in like i have all my routines i have as soon as i go somewhere i have exit strategies i think where can i go like i do it all the time when i get in my car i lock it straight away when i stop at a traffic light i lock it and that to me is sad Mm -hmm. like that makes me sad because i don't live like that no no you don't i i you know as a and it sounds ignorant, but before I, I got into podcasting, I didn't even know that shit happened. Like, I'm not a fucking asshole to women to begin with. Yeah. But, and I'm not saying I haven't. I know I've made people uncomfortable. I know I've said things that just out of ignorance. I know I've. We just joked too and long. stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but since I've got into podcasting, it's just one thing that I'm like, holy shit. Like, I had no idea. Mm. And it's like, now it's like and it's like i just i feel sad for and it's not pity but it's just like how have we developed into this where that's acceptable for someone who's a grown-ass adult just like i am Mm. has to live their life in fear not necessarily constant fear but it's like you you can't even walk down the fucking street you have to think okay where am I going to go if somebody comes up behind me okay somebody's coming i have to cross the street now like you know what i mean like that's sad that that's acceptable you know what I mean yeah but you know you've got to do what you got to do and I mean I don't have it as bad like but that that's what I do because I I like because some people are like well stuff doesn't really happen I'm like yeah but stuff can happen and it does every day I mean yeah I've been shouted out in the street and stuff like that but um it's just I'm always always cautious now but yeah my big thing is where can I go from here even in my room I've my house I've got certain things set up if someone wants to break in <laughs> right (laughs) right and that's and 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 that's just that's just the world that we live in unfortunately Mm. yeah um but yeah i think for like the women in this especially the sex workers yeah they just don't and probably with retrospect as well because they were nurses so they were good girls like do you know what i mean so they that's why people would have been more into this because they were you know I don't know. It just it does make me really sad um, that certain things get the the attention that, you know, I, everyone deserves the attention. You know, even if you're a homeless person on the street and nobody knows you, you you know, you you're still someone, you right. know, and they right. just yeah, they just don't do it. But this, yeah, this guy, like the Devier guy that you mentioned. Yeah, I didn't know much about him and I didn't know not much about him. I'd never heard of him and I'd never heard of um, Monty Ralph Rissell. Um, he might have been the second one actually and I'd never heard of him before and he was like murdering and raping women as well um, right. from a very young age he started like 14 so yeah there was another one but another big one that was in it um, I forget which season they were in 
um, was Berkowitz. Yeah. And that was, he, everyone knows Berkowitz, but yeah, he was definitely, he did, he did a good job with that. But I don't know if you've ever seen any footage of Berkowitz, but when he gets, when he gets arrested, he's walking and he's so happy. And I think he makes a comment about something that a vanity comment, like he is lapping up all the attention. Oh, without a doubt. You know, and right. he admitted to um, John Douglas that he made all up the dog thing. Right. Yeah. I think that's the second season. And yeah. they, that is one thing about Mindhunter. They portrayed most of these serial killers, yeah. I think, to a T. And the actors that they picked to play them, they were fantastic. Like they were really close to. I mean, I hate to say it, but they could almost be the serial killer themselves. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. Oh, yeah. Because I think it'd be interesting to know, because I think I've seen on some of them, I think Cameron Britton was one of them. They didn't really know much about it. So, like, could you imagine <laughs> going for this role and having to do your research and being like, hey. oh. <laughs> <laughs> because if you're not, like what we were saying, if you're not into true crime, you're you're not going to want to read any of this, but if you're playing a character, then unfortunately you will. But um, I don't know if you've seen that there's a documentary. I think it's a Times Square killer one on Netflix. I've started it. I haven't finished it. Yet. Yeah. So that's a really interesting one around the seventies. And I think it was really good because, Oh, I didn't know this. Like, obviously I knew of um, the son of Sam in the seventies, New York, and he terrified everyone, but I didn't know what an absolute, terrifying place new york would have been to live in around that time like like oh, oh my god it was just like crime was everywhere and then you've got this fucking idiot running around like shooting people right well and that during new york during that time there was a lot of corruption too within the nypd mm. yeah and so it was just it was just a haven for crime, really, for mm. killings, for for serial killers, for really any crime, because mm. you could just pay off, you know, pay off the NYPD anyways. And the sex shows. Right. Like, everything was turning into like a, a sex show. I didn't realize any of this went on until I saw this. It's crazy. It's crazy to think, right? Yeah, because it's not that long ago, like when you think about it. It's not actually, right. you know... um. But yeah, no, it was, it was, it was terrifying. But um, what did you think of, because uh, I, I know you, you didn't really watch much season two, but have you seen the bit where they get like, I almost feel like Holden is giddy. Like he's, like he's meeting his, you know, a rock star when he gets to finally get Manson. Oh, I know. I, I have watched season two. It's been a long time. I just mm. didn't rewatch it for, yeah. you know, for this, but I, what I remember of season two, he was like in like shell shock with you know meeting meeting mm. manson for the first time it was like oh yeah you, you know could I mean? see it like when he came in but the guy that like because tetch didn't give a shit like he's like whatever right. because manson didn't actually kill anyone and like it was weird how manson is seen as i mean he was on rolling stone magazine and he's like seen as this you know it's t-shirts and like he's like he was he was like a rock star to people i don't i didn't get that really didn't get it like why and like he obviously hangs on I didn't do anything they didn't do anything that they didn't want to do like he takes no responsibility right. or accountability for what he did but the guy that played him like I watched the interview with wrestler and him and it's like the whole even to like the way he flicks his hair and like he sat higher because Manson's really short um and 
I mean, he's taller than me, but um, <laughs> everyone's he's taller tiny, than me. He's tiny, though. He, he uh, is a tiny man, though. But I think that's what I don't think it's necessarily his height, even though I think he's like 5'5 five, five or something. I'm only 5'2. But he's just a little, like, he's a very slight person, isn't he? He and looks it's like, like somebody you want to just put in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. just, but I, I don't know. It's just how did he manage to, like, get all these people to do what he did? what they did okay well think about like cults right yeah yeah like it's 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 the same thing they exert this control over people Mm. they get they indoctrinate people to the point that they're willing to kill for them or die for you know die for that cause you know what i mean yeah i thought i I do think he he is a very interesting character in the way he like preaches and like when he's like talking to bill and he's like going on about how you don't look very free to me. And he's like, well, you don't look very free either. And it's true because Tench right. is going through this thing with his own son. And who, who is, you know, Robert Ressler did have a son, but apparently he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't trying to kill people. Um, but it, it's interesting because they were both trapped in this. And like, if anything, Manson looked happier than what Tench did. Right. Yeah, because Tench was his marriage in the second season was falling apart. His wife didn't barely want to have anything to do with him. Nah. And and the the that was again his at the the product of the time, right? The, his son wasn't I guess a picture perfect son. He nice. he was on the spectrum and he had learning disabilities and he mm. wouldn't talk and and so that challenged i think the the way that he portrayed it was is that it challenged his manhood because he didn't have that oh my son isn't you know this gonna be this great yeah and he's playing baseball and he's out with his friends climbing trees and yeah the typical stereotypical thing i i think with um yeah in season two because like you you know a lot of these guys obviously they ended up divorced and you know i don't know how you could have a relationship with all the going away and i think when they were interviewing like going to prisons interviewing syracuse that were there i could kind of understand in a sense why she was like you know you're going away all the time stuff like that because these people are caught already you know what i mean so right. they're they're secure behind bars but with the the wayne williams one with the with the kids in atlanta i felt like you know he had to do that because little children are dying and nobody was really taking it even seriously and what you know and I almost would be like I'd like to think that I'd be like you need to go and you know help these kids but then I suppose for her their child wasn't you know the everyday child like he's played a part in murder and another child so I could understand why she needed him but that was a bit of a harder for one for me because I was like yeah but all these kids are being killed and he can actually do something about it because of, I mean, they did, they profiled Wayne Williams. Um, And, you know, John Douglas, especially he, um, Holden Ford's character, he he did seem like he wanted to genuinely help these people. Um, Like, because the mothers were very much involved and they'd all got this, um, you know, this little headquarters and stuff going. Um, But yeah, so it must, like, I'm not surprised that, the marriage didn't last right yeah it's it's like you said it's one of those things especially with being gone away from home constantly like that Mm. it's hard to to keep a relationship going like that Mm. you know and you're not home like you know kids need 
a mom and a dad. I know, obviously, that's not always the case in relationships because, you know, and parents, single parents do great jobs at being both mom and dad. But, you know, whether it's the mom that's gone or the dad that's gone, the kid is very much aware that they don't have that, especially when, you know, their friends might have both. So that little boy, you know, maybe if the dad had been there, it might have helped a bit. I don't know. I'm not blaming the father. Um, But yeah, so that was that 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 was it was like season two had a completely different vibe to season one. Season one was just the interviews, seeing their technique. You know, it was all new and fresh. Season two, I felt it was like they were putting in more into it. And it was also interesting watching them try to figure out who BTK was. Oh, I know. He, just, he, was he wasn't just, in it a lot, was he? It just looked, not not like, in the second one, but but just yeah, enough just to enough. yeah to to keep you you interested to see if they were going to be able to solve it. And they did a really good job of developing that storyline too. And that's why I was super sad when I found out they weren't going to bring the show back because I really wanted them to develop the BTK the BTK aspect. I fucking hate that guy, but. Oh. From the show's perspective, it was such a good storyline for them to 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 de- to develop it into something, and and it makes me sad that they weren't able to get to that point. Yeah, I thought he would be because like he like what one did they bring us up to? So we would have got up to probably about the eighties, right? And um, and then like you've got uh, Bundy and Ramirez and the cat like if BTK wasn't captured to the nineties, was he early nineties? Two um, thousands, I think. Was it 2000s? Yeah, when he was finally caught, because he went dormant for a very long time. And then he... Oh, he arrested 2005, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he he got caught by a floppy disk. I know, I thought that was hilarious. I love it. He's like, can you read this? Tell the truth now. Tell the truth. Tell Tell me the serial killer that you can't read this because then I will send you what I got. I know, I thought to myself, you've managed to go from the 70s to 2005 without getting caught and the thing that gets you caught is your name on a floppy disk like <laughs> something so simple like right. you know um but yeah i felt i still feel they might do it like i feel right. that they, they could always come back to it because obviously you know the actors are still you know they're hopefully available one day um i think the issue is uh, david fincher though isn't it he because he's the one who did and i think you need him back for it i don't know I don't know, maybe Cronenberg or something, but (laughs) (laughs) you need someone a bit like a bit out there that could um, that could do it. But it it would have been interesting, I think, to get like, you know, Bundy, Ramirez, Dahmer. Right. There's a lot Uh, of big ones. John Wayne Gacy. Eileen Warnus. Like, you know, there is quite a few that they it'd be interesting to see how they do that. And then those brothers during the 80s when they killed their parents. Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would have been an interesting one, actually. Um, But yeah, so there is a lot they can do with it. But I I don't know, will they bring it back? I think it's just more of a scheduling thing because obviously you've got all these people. And because it's a TV show, it's going to take up weeks and weeks, probably a lot longer. And it's like trying to tie it all in. But hopefully, um, hopefully they will because they didn't really explore Manson a lot. He was in it barely Mm. at all. I thought they would have done, done more with him. But then... To be honest with you, I don't think he could have really given much because, okay, you could get like the cult cult aspect from him, but he wasn't even doing that. He was just preaching. Like he wasn't really talking about 
that like when you were listening to him talk about other people, like especially when you Tex Watson, he did spoke to Tex Watson, who was part of the Manson family and murdered um, the LaBiancas and Sharon Tate uh, group. And but he was given information. He was like, no, it was this. No, it was this. No, it was this. And I know you have to take everything they say with a pinch of salt because right. they, they're trying to um, make themselves look good. But with Manson, there was just nothing. It was just him. He was like some weird um, well-being coach. You got to do right. this if you want to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he, he would be one of those. Uh, He'd have an Instagram page social, and everything. Right. Those social media influencers yeah. that we got now, right? Yeah, that that's kind of the way he does. He was he was very much like that. But I, I so to be fair, because to be fair to Wendy, she did keep saying, well, "What's the point?" And I think deep down, I think it was more they just wanted to bloody meet him, right? You know, I think. I it mean, it's, it's probably just one of those bucket list people. He yeah. actually died not too long ago yeah. in uh, Delano, California, which is actually not too far from me. He he ended up dying at a hospital in the city that I'm in. Oh, really? Yeah, because mm-hmm. he, he, he lived in his 80s, didn't he? Yeah, he was old. And then that woman that wanted to marry him, Star, she wanted his body so she could bring it around and stuff it and basically <laughs> make money. <laughs> Go and see that. Who... Can you add a little stuffing down below, please? Who would go and see that? <laughs> if, if, I if, if someone said to me, oh, my God, I'm off to the museum because I'm going to go see, I'd be like, you fucking weirdo. No. Yeah. I do not want to see these people. I I do it from the comfort of my my television. (laughs) But Manson, though, ate that shit up because he became Mm. a larger than life symbol. Yeah, he he I I hate to say it, but Manson is a pop icon, whether it's good or bad. He's like an icon to. Oh, my God, he's the boogeyman. You know what I mean? Yeah. And what do you think of when you think of Manson? You think of the crazy interviews he gave. You think of the Nazi symbol that he's got on his forehead. You think of this just person who's deranged, but it was just an act. He was playing that part. That was the part that he Performance, wanted to play. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because uh, Douglas said once that when he was interviewing Manson, Manson was doing all that, you know, crazy stuff. And then he was just like, come on. And then he just stopped and just chatted to him. And then right, when someone exactly. came back in, I was saying, you know what I mean? Um, and the glasses thing was true. He Which wanted part? to say, you know, the way he took um, hold in, in the second one, he says to Holden for, can I have your sunglasses? But he takes them so that he can be like, yeah, I stole his sunglasses like that. <laughs> yeah, because it gives it him a bit of clout, like, do you know what I mean? Right. So just, just little things like that. Um, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, he was such an interesting one. And for someone that didn't technically do it i mean he could have stopped it i think i feel like manson could have stopped it and i think that's where they're coming from this it's weird that he's like that he was in jail because he was like he was in jail since the 70s and he died Mm -hmm. um he died like a few years ago like so like he never got paroled right you know he never got out of it like so you have to wonder like like what was it about him who actually technically had like i i don't think though he would have done well in today's society. I don't think no. you could have put him. And that's the thing, because apparently Kemper doesn't want to come out either. Because, you know, Mm-mm. when they were in jail, we didn't have the mobile phones. We didn't have, I know computers kind of like, you know, more 80s, isn't it? But like, you didn't, a lot of the stuff now, you just wouldn't, you wouldn't know what to, what no, to do. No, you wouldn't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I know, and especially being in prison for what 30, 40, 50 years. Mm. I mean, 
you're just becoming too institutionalized. You're Mm. just, that's just your way of life. You're used to being, you know, three meals a day. You get an hour in the rec yard. You you hang out with a bunch of people all day and then you go to bed. That's it. Like that's just becomes their, their, their way of life, their routine. I wonder how much they're exposed to in prison. Like, I wonder how much, like, do they, like, I don't know if people still go in and talk to some of them that are still alive today, like Berkowitz and Kemper, because they're still alive. But like, do they go in and they see like an Apple phone or a tablet or like, oh. you know, what's that? Right. What is you know? that? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they, I'm sure they get exposed to some of the technology in the prison, mm. just, you know, with the computers and stuff, I'm sure over the years have upgraded and they probably, I mean, I've heard of stories where, you know, guys come out after being in for 25, 30 years. And it's like, it's like a whole new, mm. it's like, uh, it's like the way that they per, um, portray the future in uh, movies, you know, like yeah. back to the future in 2021, yeah. Yeah. it's going to be like this, but to them, yeah. it really is because they didn't have all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably better. And to be honest with you, I think, um, the crimes that these guys did, the ones that are portrayed in Mindhunter and like the ones that we know of that would come later if they're in it, they shouldn't get out. I, I, you, you can't mm-hmm. let someone like that out. It, it's, no. it's just not worth the risk. Um, and I think that they, I think there would be too much uproar like if they, because some of them I don't think, some of them I think might go about their day. Like I think if you let Kemp right now, I don't think he'd do anything. I really don't, but I wouldn't, but if it was my decision, I wouldn't let him out no, because it's just not worth the risk. Do you right. know that way? But I don't think right. he would do anything. But I think Manson would have just like he'd be Went trying. Oh yeah, he 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 just wouldn't have been able to to focus. To but, yeah, right. but some of them because like some of them were really young, like Elmer Elmer Wayne Henley. Like he was really young, like in his twenties, like early twenties. And it's just right. It's weird that that's your life you know? Right. I mean, and then it it comes to a point where you're in prison longer than you've even been alive. You know what I mean? Or not Mm -hmm. being alive. That doesn't make sense, but free, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It soon becomes, yeah. Right. You're out. You've, you've been out of prison, you know, for your first 20 years, but now you've been in prison for the next 40 years. And it's like, it's just, I, I just don't think it, it comes a point where some of them where the, like you said, the risk just isn't worth it. And also they become so accustomed to the violence and it, it's almost like they become desensitized to it. It's mm. I kind of equated to uh, like military going to war, like when the Iraq war was going on for us, they, you know, a lot of these guys came back to, and they were desensitized to, to violence and that kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's extremely dangerous to let some of these guys out because they don't have that, you know, oh, somebody gets stabbed to them. That's just normal. That's every mm. day. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Because they're desensitized to it. Yeah, no, I agree. Agree. It's just, but even talking to some of them, you can just see that it's just, there's just nothing going on there. Mm-mm. Like as, and some as of John- them just strive better in that structure. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Where they function better as being told what to do all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Routine, isn't it? And and John right. John Douglas said once they were talking about rehabilitation, and he said rehabilitate what? Because there's <laughs> with some people he says there's nothing to rehabilitate. Right. 
you know and I think that's I you know I it, it wouldn't it be great to think that we could sort all these people out and they come out and they're but it just wouldn't I don't think it you could I, I think no. I think some of the stuff that some of them have done is so far out there that you just you can't you can't you just right. can't do it like because as well like Kemper he played the like you said he was very good at like he was very intelligent manipulated people like wasn't he at a, a session with a head in his bag like right. do you know what I mean and he he right. learned how to play the system because he's an intelligent guy and he was doing the psychology papers with them or something and he learned how to sound sane and he got out like do you right. know what I mean when he was 21 but um I think some of them couldn't do that. Like they just Mm -mm. like spec couldn't do that for God's sake. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, he's dead now, dead now anyway, but um, yeah, I think you just don't know where they, are they just faking it? So yeah, they, they need to stay. They need to stay where they are. I think a lot of them are exactly the ones that have been caught are exactly where they need to be. I don't think it's, I think that that with them creating this program, the profiling, I think is the right thing to do with them because Mm -hmm. then at least we are learning valuable information because people are going to be serial killers regardless if you tell them not Mm -hmm. to or not, right? But Mm -hmm. at least if we profile them and we learn, you know, these, these people's habits and we try to predict the future, it's one of those things that you potentially... It, it's life-saving measures to to mm. do this kind of stuff you know what I mean yeah yeah no I agree I think they yeah use them the way they are and I think prisoners should have to work of some form because right. um, I can imagine the amount it costs especially on death row apparently it costs a lot to keep them there but I do I think they should come up with I know they used to make like license plates I don't know what they could do but like I do feel like um there should be some sort of contribution for the ones, and probably for some of them, like because like Ed Kemper used to read children's books, didn't he? he used to do audio. Yeah, you know, and they're like, creepy. It's creepy to hear mm. him read a child's book because you're like, it's like, yeah. oh, you're. One of his know, victims man. was a child. She was only fifteen, wasn't she? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I forget what Aiko, her name is, but yeah, Aiko or yeah. Something. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, I think there's unfortunately there's plenty of material for a lot more seasons um and it's just if they get around to doing it which i i hope they do because i i think this is a really interesting show and it's nice to see obviously they take artistic liberties with some of it um of course. but in general i think they get a good idea and i think from watching like you said watching videos and stuff of some of these um people they they the actors have done a really good bit too good in some places <laughs> <laughs> no i uh i 10 out of 10 recommended if you haven't seen it mm. and you've made it this far into the show definitely go watch it it's it's mm. worth the watch more than once i mean i could i could watch it over and over again and like you asked when you were watching it you know re-watching it that's how i named my podcast actually was off of that show because yeah ed kemper would drink at the jury room yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, because when I first saw the name, I was like, oh, yeah, Jerry Manon. I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the only few people that have ever asked me that. Really? And so it's, yeah. I don't know so if that's a good of, thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I was flattered. I felt that it was, you know, that you were paying attention to to what was going on. And yeah. and that's exactly how I found the name. I was watching the Mindhunter one night and I was like, 
I think that sounded really good. The jury room. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And so, you know, that's, that's exactly how I came up with you. Cool. Um, Would you have anything to add? I don't. Um, Mind Hunter, 10 out of 10, definitely go watch it. Hopefully they bring it back. And uh, no, other than that, thanks for having me on. Cool. So do you just want to let people know where they can find you on the socials and your podcast and all that? So if you want to find the jury room, you can listen wherever you listen to this podcast. You can find me on most social media platforms at jury room podcast. If you want to reach out to me by email, it's juryroompodcast at gmail.com, whether that be on a true crime case, or if you want to reach out to me to talk about your addiction or a loved one's addiction, definitely reach out to me for that. Other than that, you can find me. I'm most active on Twitter and that's at Jerry Room Podcast. Do you watch horror films? I love horror films. I do. What's your favorite? Uh, Hellraiser. So I don't know if you can see it or not. Oh, well, I did an episode on Hellraiser with um, Stuart from British Murders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the first one we ever did together and we've ended up doing loads more. And I wasn't the biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought there no. was, it was, I, I remembered watching it when I was younger and all I remembered was the face thing, you know, at the very end. Uh, well, that's literally a bit of a face, a bit of skin and stuff like that. But it's just, it's such a disgusting film. It made me feel so icky. It's um, so, it's cringy. It's that cringy oh. horror that just is like, oh, but it's, it's really good. And it's, I think Penhead's one of the most, one of the underrated, I guess, villains yeah. of that era. Because you had, I mean, he's going up against Freddy Krueger. He's going up against Myers and Michael Jason, Myers yeah. and Jason. And yeah, so I think he's one of the underrated ones during that time. But he's just, I think he's the most diabolical of them all. Yeah, he's, he, it is. That film was a tough watch, I'll be honest with you. And when the new one comes out, because they're making it again, I will watch it. Right. Um, but I have to get you on to do a horror film. I am so down to do a horror yeah. film. I love I love horror. I love all things true crime. I am all about, oh, yeah. this sounds gross, but I'm all about just the, the grittiness about life. Yeah, I am too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I still love my, uh, my chick flicks and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, it's what I watch. Like on a Sunday night, and I know it's Mother's Day, but tonight I will get my iron in. I will get a glass of wine. I know I've put on a true crime documentary. Yeah. That's what I do. That's my Sunday night ritual. And my husband's like, look, if you don't want to do the ironing, I'll do it. I'm like, no. <laughs> you're like, first of all, you're fucking up my mojo. This yeah. is my time. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm the same. You can tell, I think you can, as I said, you can, I think I text it to you. You can tell a person by their Netflix account. <laughs> <laughs> well, if uh if I went missing, they would stop looking at mine because looking for me if they looked at mine, because it's all horror or true crime yeah 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 cool all right then um i will let you go because i know you're well actually it's like four o'clock in the morning there now is it it is four o'clock now oh goodness you need to go and have your nap (laughs) i'm gonna go have my nap that is exactly (laughs) what i'm gonna do well i'm gonna go and go for a walk around a lovely uh uh, arboretum arboretum sorry and uh yeah i will chat to you again soon don't hang up yet um (laughs) (laughs) no thanks for having me i I really appreciated uh the opportunity to come on and talk to you i'm always looking or i'm sorry i'm always excited to talk about true crime or horror Hmm. it's just they're just passions of mine cool all right thanks buddy thank you bye bye
addiction. Now, the factor condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. An overwhelming compulsion. As a species, we have a fascination with wanting to escape the prisons of our lives. To feel like we can dance with these toxic substances as a way to feel something different and new. We think we're always going to come away unscathed. We never expect to find ourselves addicted. This series will explore the need to escape our realities, the history of our fascination with the illicit, and to share the stories of those who have come away from the battle, war-torn and battered, but alive. Welcome to Addicted, a Jury Room production. If you or a loved one have been struggling with addiction, or have in the past, and would like to share your story, please feel free to reach out to me via social media or through email at juryroompodcast at gmail.com. Coming soon to wherever you listen to this podcast.